Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Be sure to tune in to whatever Bethesda Church is doing on our website, BethesdaChurch.tv, or check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Now, let's jump into today's message. Good morning. Happy Independence Day. Let's give it up for those who fought to make our country free, for those who are fighting today to make our country free, to keep it free, and most of all, let's give it up for Jesus, the author of freedom. Come on. Yes. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. And we honor those who've gone on before us. It's truly the land of the free because of the brave. Amen. Amen. When I think about Independence Day, when I think about the 4th of July, I think about our freedoms. I think about there's some things that are worth the fight. There are some things that really matter in a world where everybody wants everything to matter. Anything going on in their life, they want it to matter to you in your life. But there are some things that really matter. There are some things that are worth the fight. I believe that that generation could see past themselves. They could see past the sacrifice that they had to lay down. They might not make it through the fight, but they could see a brighter tomorrow. They could see a better future for what they were fighting for that day. And it's not, it's not a foreign concept to Christians. It's not foreign for us to understand that somebody's sacrifice can lead to somebody else's blessing. Because we understand that's exactly what Jesus did. He died so that we could be blessed. He gave it all for us. What are you fighting for today? When freedom is won, it also has to be kept. If you don't understand what you have, it's easy to lose it. If you inherit something but you don't know it's yours and you don't take your rights, it's easy for somebody to take them away from you. That doesn't mean that they have the the right to take it. That means they're a thief. And we know we have an enemy who's against us, and he is a thief. In this country, we have a constitution that gives us our rights, that gives us our privileges, gives us our responsibilities, things we need to do. In the kingdom of God, we have our constitution. The Bible is the constitution of the kingdom. In it, we have all of our rights, all of our privileges as sons, and we have our responsibilities. This Bible, this is like an old friend of mine. I was going through some stuff. I was looking for something else, but I found this Bible. My parents gave me this Bible a long time ago. And uh, it's, yeah, it's it like getting reacquainted with an old friend. You see all the, all the things that, that you wrote in it and all the things, and it, it takes you back to where you started your fight, where you started to learn what belonged to you. You see, this this is a legal document, 
And it will stand in the kingdom of heaven. It will stand at the judgment seat. This is a legal will that gives us a legal inheritance. But you have to know what's in it in order to claim what's yours. And if you don't walk in it, if you don't exercise it, if you don't use it, it's possible that those things will slip. It's possible that you could lose the freedoms you have if you're not diligent. We have a king and he has laws. He's given us his constitution to his kingdom. I want to go over some names of God because they explain the attributes of God. They tell us who God is and who he is to us. These are all in the word. These are all his promises to us. He says that he is our righteousness, Jehovah to Sidkenu. He says that he is our peace, Jehovah Shalom. He said he's our guide or our shepherd, Jehovah Ra. He says he's our healer, Jehovah Rapha. He says that he is our provider, Jehovah Jireh. He says that he is our friend, that he is present. He's Jehovah Shammah. And he says that he is our victory. That is our banner, our victor, and our captain, Jehovah Nisi. Do you know who he is? Do you know who he is? These names reveal things about him. And there are some people, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go over a couple people over the um, centuries that have got a hold of a part of God and they've lived that out to help you understand what I'm talking about, that things can slip. I know a lot of times we think we're good, we're walking in the fullness of it, we're blessed and highly favored. You are. But things can slip if you're not exercising them. A story about um, missionary evangelist T.L. Osborne. He was born December 23rd, 1923, died February 14th, 2013. He was a young missionary. He and his wife, Daisy, they went to India. They were going to win the world for Christ. They were on fire, and they took off, and they went to the mission field. And they went, and they uh, went to the, to the Muslims there, and they said, we come with our God, and we come with our holy word. You need to know God, and you need to know his word. They said, we, we have a God. We, we have what they consider a holy word. We don't need yours. They came back just a short time, defeated, not one single convert, not one. They said, we're not going to do that again. That wasn't any fun at all. Over the course of time, Many things happened, but one of those things was that they went to a meeting where they saw the power of God. They saw deaf ears opened. And it reminded them not only of who God was, but who God is. They saw Jesus open those ears. And they said, wow, I am going to read the Bible like I've never read it before. Like it's the first time I've ever read these words. And whatever it says that Jesus did, I'm going to believe Jesus did. And whatever he says for me to do, I'm going to go do. And they went back to India. And he called, is there anyone deaf in the crowd? And they came forward, I believe it was 10 of them. He prayed for them and all 10 of them were healed instantly, received their hearing 
for the next six decades, they traveled the world preaching the gospel. Is it possible that we have let some, some, some things slip? It's not enough to know who God was. We have to know who he is. Another story, a man by the name of George Mueller. He was born September 27th, 1805, died March 10th, 1898. He was a Christian evangelist and the director of the Ashley Down Orphanage in Bristol, England. He wrote a diary. He kept a diary. You can buy it today. It's still in print because of demand. This man decided, he, he said why he did it. He decided he would trust God alone for his provision. And he said he did it to prove to the world that God can be trusted. That's why he did it. In his years over that orphanage, he raised 10,024 orphans by prayer alone. Every meal, the clothes, their dorms, their schooling. He opened Bible schools. He sent forth missionaries. He printed Bibles. He printed Christian materials all over the world. They calculated up in today's money, it would have been around $180 million passed through that man's hand by prayer alone. He never asked a person for a penny. He only asked his heavenly father. He only asked his father. Could it be that we've let some things slip? See, T.L. Osborne, he proved God as healer. George Mueller, he proved God as provider. If we're willing to take what he said and to walk it out, to do it, we can prove him to be a faithful God and we can prove it to the world. There is nothing that's impossible for the people of God. We, we have these promises. We have these things, but why don't we see them happen more often? Why don't we hear about it all the time? Because it takes a fight. But there are some things worth fighting for. There are some things that are worth the fight. See, the only thing eternal are souls. People are worth the fight. Those orphans were worth the fight. Those sick people that were healed were worth the fight. There are some things that are worth the fight. Why do you have to fight? Because there's a devil. Like Pastor Chad has, has, been, has been preaching in the, the, the last series. You know, if you believe in Jesus, you have to believe in a physical, literal devil. An enemy of your soul. That's what the Bible says. That he hates you that he wants to destroy, that he wants to kill, that he wants to steal. We have to fight the good fight of faith. The Bible speaks of this in 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 12. It says, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay a hold of eternal life to which you were called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You are told to fight. 
in the Bible, it speaks in military terms and in militant terms. It speaks of what we're to do, we're to go, and we're to, uh, to inhabit, we're to possess, we're to obtain the promises of God. We have to get that mindset that we are here on a mission. Your inheritance in Christ, I, I want to show you this in Ephesians Chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. If you think you're not accepted, that's a lie. That is a lie from the enemy. You think there's some sin, something that you've done that the blood of Jesus can't cover? It can't happen. That is impossible. You have been crucified with Christ. Crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He loves you. He gave himself for you. And he did that as an example of how you lay down your life and give it for others. There are some things that are worth the fight. You are healed you're blessed, you're prosperous, you're wise. You come at life from a position of victory. You are a victor. Faith is the highway that gets the truck a blessing to your life. It's what hooks you up, links you up to God. All of God's blessings come to you through faith. Galatians 5, 24 and 25 says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. If you don't know what it looks like to walk in the spirit, get in the word of God. Talks about the fruit of the spirit. Talks about the fruit of the flesh. And you can find out really quick where you're walking. Find out really quick who you are. I've been crucified with Christ. Notice the tense of those words as past tense. I have been. I have been. A lot of times people are fighting, fighting and fighting to die to self. See yourself in Christ dead. You've been crucified with Christ. You've been raised again with Christ in newness of life. Behold, all things, old things are passed away. All things have become new. It's a reality. That's where we walk. You say, oh, well, this still, that still. Reckon, it says, reckon yourself dead. Reckon yourself dead. What does that look like? Could it be we don't know what it looks like because we haven't seen others walking it out before us? Then why aren't we the ones walking it out? First Peter 4. 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves 
with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. You're serving one or the other. You're either serving Satan or you're serving Jesus. He is the, Satan is the God of this world, small g, God of this world. So you're serving him, you're serving the flesh, you're serving the world, or you're serving Jesus, you're serving the spirit, you're serving the king of kings. That is the choice that's before you today. So what is faith? I looked up the uh, first definition that came up. I'm using that one because I like it. It says that faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Now, how do you have complete trust or confidence in someone or something? But by experience. But by experience. You trust that chair you're sitting in. Why? Because you've sat in a chair like that before. You're pretty sure it's not going to fall down with you. You trust God just like the, the David principle. He was with me with the bear. He was with me with the lion. He'll be with me with this giant. I have confidence. I have confidence in God. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. That's what faith is. Faith is that confidence. Notice that it doesn't say have faith in your, the, the Bible says have faith in God. Have faith in God. Not have faith in your faith, have faith in healing, have faith in prosperity, have faith, no, have faith in God. All the rest will follow. Have faith in God. In Hebrews 11 and verse 6, it says, But without faith, it's impossible to please him. Impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You must believe in God. Well, if you believe in God, what's that make you? Makes you a believer. So either you're a believer or you're an unbeliever. Are you a believer? All right. We're getting somewhere. We got some believers in the house. Now, if you're a believer, it says, then you must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you believe he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him? I'm painting you in a corner here. <laughs> Are you diligently seeking him? If you're not, then that makes me believe that you don't believe he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him or you don't want to be rewarded. What we need is diligence. What we need is diligence. In the victory, there lies, or I mean in the consistency, there we go, there lies victory. In consistency, there lies victory. When you consistently live out the word, consistently live it out, consistently do it, people consist, then your phone's going to start ringing because people are going to say, hey, I need this. Hey, I need, hey, how do you do that? Can you pray for me? I'm going through this. I'm going through that. Can you help me? If your phone's not ringing, we got some work to do. We got some work to do. Hebrews 12 1 through 17 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. Let us run the race with endurance. 
Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that was before him endured the cross. The joy, the joy, does that sound like joy? Does it sound like joy to hang on a cross? The joy that was before him, that's you. You were the joy. He could see you. He could see other generations. He could see other people. Listen, you're his brother, and that's what he saw. You are his generation. You're the generation of Christ. And he could see you, and he wanted you to be his brother, to be his sister so desperately that he took the cross, that he took the cross. It says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. You want to be disciplined? You want to receive correction? You're like, well, no, I don't really want that. Uh, that's how we grow. That's how we become like Christ. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. You want to grow as a son? What's it say? It says he disciplines his son. What's it say the word does? It brings doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction. That's how you become a son. That's how you live as a son. You get in the word. You get the word into you. When you start reading the word, the word starts reading you. It's alive. It's the living word of God. If you know who he is, you know who you are. Are you not a son? Are you not in the kingdom? Are you not part of the family? Says he's seated at the throne. Guess what? You're seated there with him. Says you're in Christ. That's right, I'm at the right hand of the Father. That's the way the Spirit works. Don't get upset about it. <laughs> How can I be there and here? I don't know. That's the way it is. How can he be there and here? I don't know. That's the way it is. He's here with me. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God, and you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are his. They're his. They belong to him. Give the king what belongs to the king. Isn't that what Jesus said? They tested him. They brought him the money. They said, here, is it right to pay temple tax? He looked at it. Whose inscription is on that? said, Caesar's, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. Your body, your spirit, they belong to God. They belong to God. The good thing is when you belong to God, God protects you. 
Why is that? What happened when Paul, when Saul was on the road to Damascus? He was blinded by the light. Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? He said, Lord, who are you? I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. Who is he persecuting? The church. He was persecuting the church. Jesus takes that personal. That's his body. He says, why are you persecuting me? Me. That's my kid. Don't you mess with a mama's kid. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk after the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit of life has made you free from the law of sin and death. Sin and death doesn't have a grip on you. It doesn't have a hold on you. Forget it. The law of the spirit of life has set you free. Romans 8, 5, and 6 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Anybody accepting some life and peace? Now, he was writing to the Romans here, the church in Rome. He was writing to Christians, and he's telling Christians, okay, to be carnally minded, that's right, a Christian can be carnally minded. To be carnally minded, earthly minded, worldly minded, is death. That means a Christian can be deathly minded? To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You know, you're the only one that it bothers to lay down your will. It doesn't bother anybody else. I mean, if Pastor Jay's fasting and praying, that don't bother me a bit. I can eat a steak and go on right in front of me. It doesn't bother me. You know, one is a very small number, very insignificant. One, that's just one person, one will. What I'm trying to say is when you lay down your will, you're the only one who knows it. You're the only one who feels it. You're the only one who has to lay it down. You're going to bless all those around you. You're the one paying the price. You're the one fighting the fight. Sometimes, if not all the time, you're the one who has to do it. No one else is going to do it for you. Like Pastor Chad has said, God's not going to come down and do it for you. He said he's not going to come down and raise your kids. He's not going to come down and force you to lay down your life. But he gave us the example on how to do it, and he expects that from us. If the praise team will come up. You know, there's one thing that I can think of that will put your kids, your children, and the future generations in the best place to prosper in life, in the best place to prosper in God. It'll set them on your shoulders so that they can go further in the Lord than you ever went. 
And that is you living the word in front of them. I'm going to give you an illustration here. Let's say that that there's one person who works right beside the boss. And the boss is the one who runs the machine. There's lots of people who work there, but there's only one who's right there beside the boss. The boss retires. Who gets the boss's job? The only one who knows how to do it. The only one who knows how to run the machine. If they don't see you living it, they have no experiential knowledge of the truth. When they see you living it, they know how it's done. And when you're gone, they can live the life. That's the only thing, the single most important thing that'll put your family, your church ahead is you living the life, is you fighting the fight, it's you laying down your life for God. Because God wants to use you. He wants to show himself through you, provider, healer, comforter, the peace of God, a victor, all of those things. But you have to let him. You have to let him do it. So the question is, who is going to go and present the gospel? Who is going to bring healing to the sick? Who's going to take care of the poor? The answer is you. You're going to do it. You're the only one who can. You're going to do it. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. You're God's presence on this earth today. If you don't do it, it won't get done. But if you do it, you lay down your life, can you imagine what it's going to look like? Is it possible that we've let some things slip? We got the power. We've got the constitution, the kingdom. We just have to lead by example and bring that experiential knowledge to the next generation to where those children over there, they won't know what it's like. They won't know what it's like. Growing up in the United States of America, we don't know what it's like, the general population, to fight for our freedom. It was given to us. But somebody had to sacrifice. Somebody had to lay down. Somebody had to make it happen. You're that somebody. You make it happen for the next generation. You make it happen for this church. You make it happen for your family. You're the only one who can. I've heard it said that your last free will act is when you acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Because if he's truly Lord, you don't have any more say. See? What you want, I will do. Get in the word. He'll tell you specifically what he wants you to do. In 1 John 2.17, it says, And the world will pass away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. 
Not he who knows the will of God, he who does the will of God. James 1.22 says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You know what that looks like? That looks like when somebody tells you a scripture or they tell you something you need to do. They say, God wants you to do this. And you say, I know that. You know the scripture. You know the scripture. Right. But are you living it? Like I was telling you about the Osbournes, they said they went, read the Bible like they never read it before and just said, God, whatever you said you did, you did. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. And if you've read the Bible or heard the Bible or been in church a long time, you tend to think you know what the scriptures say and you want to jump ahead, I challenge you to get a different, get a different translation of the Bible that you're not used to. That way it forces you to slow down and read each word. You might see something you've missed. You may have let something slip. It's straightforward, but we have to do it. There's a time to tell other people's testimonies, but you should grow up and have testimonies of your own. It's time for our testimonies. I've heard somebody say before, where are the Pauls? There just aren't any Pauls anymore. They're out there. They're out there doing the work of God. They're out there living it. They're out there doing it. You might not know about them because you don't know any of them in your life. And if that's the case, you need to be a Paul. You need to be a Paul. I'm gonna end with a story about a man named James Strong. That name might be familiar with some Bible scholars as far as the Strong's concordance goes. But James Strong was born August 14, 1822, died August 7, 1894. He cataloged every word in the Bible. Every word. cross-referenced, got the definition in the original language, every single word took 35 years of his life. 35 years revolutionized the way the word is studied. Revolutionized the way it's preached, the way it's presented, the knowledge of the world, the word revolutionized it. I've heard some people say it took him 40 years. I looked it up, said 35. Either way, that's a long time. Gave his life for it. It's like the story of a, a famous piano player, and I really don't know if the story's true or if it's fictional, but I heard it before and it moved me, challenged me, so I hope it does the same to you. After a recital, somebody came up to him and said, you play the piano so beautifully. I would give my life to be able to play like you. He said, sir, that is exactly what I did. It's exactly what I did. I gave my entire life to it. Is Jesus king? Is he Lord? I can't tell you if, if God wants you to be a, a truck driver or a preacher or a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist or a farmer, I can't tell you what God wants you to do, but I can tell you what God wants you to be. And he wants you to be conformed to the image of his son. You are the presence of God in this world. 
Now we just have to act like it. With everyone standing, let's take a moment here. Let's take a moment here, and if there's anyone who doesn't know Jesus, and say, I don't even know Jesus. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. You're talking about sacrifice and giving my life. That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, Jesus will forgive you of every sin. He will wash you clean. He will make you new, and he will give you a purpose in this world, and that is to carry his life to everyone around you. If you're here today, every head bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord, but you want to know him, you want to be introduced to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, I just ask that you would just raise your hand. That you would raise your hand. If you're online, you're watching today and you don't know Jesus, I I ask that you would let us know that you want to pray that prayer with us. You're either serving the world and the things of the world, which is serving the devil, or you're serving God. There's no middle ground. For those online or for those who will see this in the future, I want you to lift your voice with me and pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I acknowledge Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Please save me in Jesus' name. You know that God heard that prayer and he answers that prayer. Let's give it up for anyone who's received Christ today. Before this last song, during this last song, altars are open. Come forward. Don't leave here today. If you have a need, receive from God for that need today. Prayer team, you can come up. If you are here today, I I just want a show of hands for everybody in this room who has been healed by the power of God. Look around. Look around at how good your God is. Look around at what God does for his people today. It's not enough to know who he was. We have to know who he is. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can go to BethesdaChurch.tv give. We'll catch you on the next episode, and we hope you have a great day.